You're listening to a sermon from the Spring Midtown Church in Phoenix, Arizona. If you'd like to learn more about the Spring and its ministry, please visit thespringmidtown.org or follow us on Instagram or Facebook. Good evening. For those of you who don't know me, um, my name is Gabby. Um, I've been going to the Spring Midtown for about um, about a year and a half, um, but I started going to Spring Tempe about eight years ago, so um, some of you may recognize me, some of you may not. I'd love to get to know you a little bit more afterwards. Um, But tonight, um, in addition to it being Ash Wednesday, we're actually kicking off a new series. Um, It's called This is Greater Than That. and as we enter into the season of Lent, we're going to look to turn away from the things that are holding back, holding us back from thriving in Christ and towards a transforming character. So as Easter approaches, we're going to be examining godly characteristics starting tonight with self-control is greater than indulgence. Indulgence is something I would say we're pretty comfortable with. Um, And in fact, I would say it's probably something we encourage each other to do. Um, Recently, I was scrolling through Instagram and I came across this um, Instagram post and these like two really beautiful cups and across it said, you cannot pour from an empty cup, which is 100% true. You cannot give out to others what you don't have filled within yourself. You can't love your your family, your friends, your loved ones if, if you yourself are not filled. Uh, but where we where we get this wrong is right in the caption of this post. It said it started to list a whole list of details of you know to fill yourself you should go get a massage. Fill yourself you should go on a shopping spree. To fill yourself you should treat yourself to that really expensive coffee. Um, and those are all really lovely, wonderful things. But that's where we get it wrong. We have this idea that we can fill ourselves. It's our responsibility to take care of me. It's your responsibility to take care of you in order to fill yourself. Um, I'd like to call it the treat yourself culture. If you're a fan of Parks and Rec, or maybe if you've just spent any time online, um, you're probably familiar with the key phrase, treat yourself. And it goes like this. You deserve to splurge on that new pair of shoes because you worked really hard earning that money. Treat yourself. You cook dinner at home every night this week. You deserve that $50 steak dinner. Treat yourself. You were productive all day at work. You deserve to scroll through Instagram mindlessly for the next three hours. Treat yourself. (laughs) Treat yourself to fill that emptiness inside you. Because we falsely believe that if you treat yourself, you'll fill yourself. Now, I'm not some righteous person standing before you telling you I've never treated myself, that I've never spent money before, and I've definitely never eaten an entire sheet of brownies, and I've never watched so many episodes of The Office that Netflix has to ask me if I'm still watching. (laughs) Definitely done that. (laughs) What I'm saying is we're a little too comfortable with the idea of indulging because we wrongly believe we deserve it. In fact, there's this theory in psychology. It's called the ego depletion theory. And it believes that we pull from a mental pool of resources in our mind. And that when our pool is low, 
our ability to actually show restraint and show self-control is actually inhibited. So basically, when you're tired, when you've worked a really long day, when you're feeling low, your, your brain is unable to stop you from making that indulgence, from, from spending money, from going on Amazon and spending a little bit more than you should. Your brain is it, it's telling you that, hey, you worked hard, you deserve this, do this. But it's in the moment that you choose to indulge in something that you have an emptied mental resource pool and you've chosen to indulge. You're saying, I'm going to choose to fill this myself. It is in that moment that you've chosen to rely on yourself and to fill yourself instead of relying on the God who is truly capable of filling you truly. And what we're talking about here is giving into our desires, our earthly desires. The Apostle Paul actually has some strong words for those of us who, uh, for those who are living a lifestyle of giving into these desires constantly, a constant lifestyle of it. So, if you guys could open up with me, if you have a Bible or an app, we're going to be in Philippians chapter three tonight, and we're going to start at verse nineteen. The Scripture says this. <clears throat> Excuse me. Their end is a destruction. Their God is the belly, and their glory is in their shame. Their minds are set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and it is from there that we are expecting a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. He will transform the body of our humiliation, that it may be conformed to the body of his glory by the power that also enables him to make all things subject to himself. This is the word of the Lord. A little tough. <laughs> so the there that Paul is referring to, um, just before this passage, um, he names as enemies of the cross, and it's it's less important who those enemies of the cross are, and more important to look at the lifestyle they're living. Their God doesn't reside in heaven or resides in themselves. They're constantly indulging in the whims of their flesh without an ounce of self-control. They deny Christ in their behavior and in their actions. And Paul's really clear about what it, a lifestyle of constantly treating yourself will lead to. It leads to destruction. He's really clear. And it's not good. But he reminds us in verse 20 that our true citizenship is of heaven, where we are governed by the gospel. Meaning that even though the world in which we live tells us to feed our every desire our minds could conjure up, that is not our law, and that is not what we are called to. Uh, growing up, I was an army brat, so we moved around every two or three years. Um, and with every move, I had to assimilate to the culture that I was at, because there's nothing more terrifying than being in seventh grade and learning that what was cool in Savannah, Georgia, is not cool in El Paso, Texas. And it, it can be really tempting to do that now to want to assimilate to the culture. But what Paul is telling us, and he's reminding us here, is our citizenship isn't here. We may live and be on this earth, but we are citizens of heaven, and we are to live as such. We are to live not shaped by the culture that surrounds us, but we are to live shaped by the gospel. Here's what you'll find when you have self-control over your earthly desires. You're going to grow. Paul says that Jesus will transform us from our humble bodies 
his humble bodies, to a body that reflects the character of Jesus. The transformative work um, that is being done, it's a kind of a churchy word called sanctification. And it's the process of being made holy and to look more like Jesus. Uh, so I've got this uh, favorite book. It's by the author Shel Silverstein. Um, it's called The Missing Piece Meets the Big O. And I think Shel Silverstein is onto a little something in here that we're talking about here. Um, I considered reading the book <laughs> for you guys tonight, but for the sake of time, maybe I'll just give you a, a brief rundown. So the story centers around the missing piece, this little triangular dude. And triangular, uh, the missing piece is going along the path, trying to figure out how to move along the path. And so it's trying to join up with other pieces, um, it's trying to fit into other pieces so that it could roll along. It's trying to make itself look more attractive so that somebody will pick it up and move it along the path. Um, but then at one point in the story, the missing piece meets the big O. And the big O is different than the other pieces it's seen. It, it works a little differently. It's rolling in a way that it's never seen before, and it says, hey, I want that. How can I get that? And so the big O actually suggests to the missing piece that it rolls on its own. So at first, the missing piece is like, okay, it just sits there for a while, and then with all the, the strength that it has, it starts to lift itself up and then plop over, because, you know, it's a triangle. Triangles can't really move on their own. But with all the strength that the missing piece has, he's able to lift, pull, flop, lift, pull, flop, lift, pull, flop, until eventually the edges of the triangle, they're actually smoothed, so that the triangle, instead of doing this wonky, like, flipping over, starts to kind of bump and then to bounce and then eventually the missing piece is round and it can actually roll and so the story ends with the missing piece as a circle looking just like the piece that it had originally wanted to be like rolling next to it rolling down the path and so we're that little triangular guy it takes discipline to lift full plop lift full plop to do the but through the process of lift, pull, flopping, something happens to us and we begin to change shape. We begin to actually take the shape of what it is our eyes have been set on. And real change takes discipline. Ash Wednesday marks the start of Lent, a season where we prepare our hearts for Easter and what Easter means for us. Some of you may have decided you're gonna give something up for Lent. Um, this is a practice done by Christians during the some Christians during the season, and it's a time for us to enter into the suffering of Christ. It's time for us to rid ourselves of distraction, and it's a time to make room for the Holy Spirit in our lives. So if you've decided to give something up or not, my challenge to you is to reflect in your daily life. What do you find yourself indulging in? It might be how you spend your time, how you spend your money, what you're putting in your body. But I challenge you to name it, and I challenge you, if you're willing, to maybe giving that up for Lent. Um, just a side note, though, on um, things that we give up for Lent. These aren't necessarily bad things. You know, coffee, your phone, food, they're not necessarily bad. Um, in his book, Counterfeit Gods, Tim Keller says this. The problem at times is not that we love these good things too much. It's that we love God too little in relation to them. 
practicing giving something up for Lent can be a way of identifying idols in your life. Because really what we're talking about when we're talking about indulgences is idolatry. If you feel like you can't live without it, or if you're feeling low and you need to be filled and that's what you're turning to, it's probably a good indicator that it has a place in your life that it shouldn't. But don't just give something up. What I want to challenge you to do is to give something up, but also take something on. Because when you uproot an idol in your life, if you don't replace it with something else, it has the potential to grow back. So if you're going to give up social media, for example, you could replace that time you would have spent on your phone in the mornings, because if you're anything like me, it's probably the first thing you're grabbing as soon as you wake up. But you could spend that time you would have spent on your phone in the Word, spending time with the Lord first thing in the morning. Or maybe you're, you're tempted to, like I mentioned earlier, spend hours on the couch after you get off work at night. So, and you, so you want to give up your phone in order to have that time back. We'll replace that time that you would have spent on your phone, maybe in community. Maybe you start inviting people from church over into your home and you start celebrating together. Maybe you're going to give up buying coffee once a week or every day when you're on your way to work. And the money that you would have spent on that coffee, you can then put back into your tithing. Whatever you decide to give up, put something in its place. Don't give the opportunity for something to grow back there that's not meant to be there. Uproot it and put God there. And this should be challenging. It should change you. Practicing disciplines, lift, pull, flopping. It's not easy work. It's hard work. But when you practice these disciplines, when you do this, what you're doing is you're leaving room in your life for Jesus to do sanctifying work in you. It's not about the work you're putting in, but it's about the room that you leave for Jesus to work in you. If you're making a commitment for Lent, you're saying, Jesus, I am flawed, I'm imperfect, but God, do I want to change? I want to look like you, God. Show me how to do that. You are unflawed. You're without flaw. You're perfect. And Lord, how do I obtain that? I want to look like you. And this process of sanctification is, it's a process, something that we'll be doing until the day we are before the Lord in his glory. And so the commitment you make during Lent is a part of that sanctification, is a part of that process. This commitment you make during the next 40 days is a part of that process of becoming more like Jesus. So the question is, do you want to grow? Do you want to change? Do you want to lift, pull, flop? Do you want to be more round? And if you do, then I I challenge you to bring that to the Lord tonight. What are you indulging in? And say, Lord, it is yours. And what will you take in its place? Would you guys pray with me? Lord, we come before you.